You know, last week, as I mentioned a moment ago, we uh, kicked off this series called The Holy Who. And the reason that we're calling it that is because that's a lot of people's questions. They may know the Holy Spirit in name, but actually in experience or actually understanding him, maybe not so much. And uh, I mean, I think we and I shared about this last week is that many times we can understand Father God because we all have a father. Uh, at least if nothing else, we have known someone else's father. And so we can even understand the concept of God being a good father. Uh, many times we can understand Jesus in, is a person because why? Well, the Bible speaks and tells us lots of stories. There's been movies made to really depict who Jesus was, what Jesus did, all of these things. And so, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, many times it can be kind of clouded. Um, and because, and sometimes people have bad experiences. And so because of that, they completely say, I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit because they think the Holy Spirit was weird. And the truth is, is that people are weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird, right? And so we talked about a few things last week. Uh, I gave you a couple things that he's not. Uh, but let me give you the, uh, the three things that the Holy Spirit is. And this is important uh, because this is kind of foundational to everything that we're going to be sharing. Um, and so last week I shared with you the first thought is that number one is that the Holy Spirit is God. His name is God. He's part of the Trinity, right? So his function is as the Spirit, but he is God. He's as equal, he's co-equal and co-eternal with Jesus and the Father. There's no difference. You're, you're like, what? And you know, I share the thought with you is that, look, our, our, inf- our finite brain will never figure it out. Why? Because God is infinitely beyond anything that we can think about. You know, I gave you the little um, the example last week. Is that trying to figure out God in our brain is like trying to take the Pacific Ocean and put it into a teacup. Right? Because we'll never fully be able, if you're trying to be logical, which I am, I'm very linear. It's impossible. Like God is way beyond our ability to comprehend fully. Now, I believe that we can, but it's important that we understand that the Holy Spirit is not some inferior part of God. He is equally God. And so when we're talking about the person of the Holy Spirit, it's important that we understand that. That we're not just talking about some power, some force, some other thing that came from God. No, he's a person that we are to know, that we're to have a relationship with, that we're to fellowship with. He's actually the, the part of God that we get to experience in the here and now. I mean, if, when people talk about it, we were just talking about, you know, experiencing the presence of God. What you're actually experiencing is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in heaven. The Father is in heaven. The Bible says that God sits on his throne. But the Holy Spirit is among us. That's what Jesus said. Go read John 14, John 16. He says, look, I have to go because if I don't go, the Spirit won't come. But if I do, the Father will send him to you. And so it's important that we know that. So he is God. He's a person. And the way that I I left you last week was, um, was this, is that our choices can actually affect our experience with the Holy Spirit. There are things and decisions that we can make that will actually affect our experience with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because, and I I shared this with you, is that the Bible says that we can, what? We can actually grieve the Holy Spirit. You're like, what does that mean? It actually means to push Him away. You ever had somebody that wanted to help you, but you pushed them away? That's actually what happens when we begin to do that. And we do that through... The choices that we make, even sometimes the words that we say, and and many times it's in areas where the Holy Spirit has convicted us and we refuse to be obedient, right? 
And we can grieve him. And so what happens in that moment is that he becomes quiet. He becomes a little more distant in our life. And it's not because he doesn't, it's not because he leaves us, right? It's just because, what? We have made some decisions that have affected our relationship. I gave you the illustration of me and my wife, right? Sometimes I can be sarcastic and sometimes that sarcasm has gotten in the way of our relationship. And so I got to mend some fences and say some apologies and, you know, all of the, Why? Because I don't want their distance in our relationship. And the same is true even with the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that we have to be aware of this. Is that we are to experience the presence of God. We really are. We were built for that. Um, and so, but I think that many times is that people struggle with this idea. And, and you even hear people say things like this. Is man, I wish I could have just been around when, I, when Jesus was alive. Like if I could have just walked with Jesus, if I could have just been one of the crowds, man, it would have been amazing. And although it would have been, Jesus actually tells us that it would be better for him to go away. We looked at this last week, John 16, 7. Jesus speaking, this is out of the Passion Translation. But he said, here's the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the divine encourager, the helper will not be released to you, but after I depart, I will send him to you. Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit, who was what? He was a spirit who, in the Bible, when you study this out, it means one just like him. We don't have like Jesus 2.0 with the Holy Spirit. Right? We don't have some subclass of Jesus. The Bible says it lives on the inside of us. No, it is the Spirit of Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. As a born-again believer, that's the reality for us. But here's a truth that I think is very important. Is that we will only draw closer to God in the areas that we have understanding, or let me say it another way, or at our level of comfort. In other words, anything that you don't understand, you'll reject. Like the Holy Spirit stuff is just strange, it's weird, I don't understand it, so I'm just going to leave that part of the Bible out. You know, Scripture tells us that all Scripture is written by God and is profitable for those who would hear it. Jesus in the book of Revelation says, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, right? So all Scripture is what? It's for our benefit. But even knowing that, we will only approach God to the level that we're comfortable at. And if your understanding of the Holy Spirit is, He's going to make me do things that I don't want to do. Or he's going to make me say weird stuff in front of moments that are really not appropriate. I mean, that's like a real fear for people. I've had people talk to me about it. They're like, is the Holy Spirit just going to like take over and like go make me talk to somebody if I don't want to do that? No, because you still have a will. God will not override your will. I mean, have you ever just spontaneously started praying? Anybody? I mean, the Holy Spirit, well, what? He's a gentleman. He's not going to override what you want. We have to submit to him, right? But, but it is important that we, but what happens is that many times we have maybe bad understanding or negative experiences with people that really kind of come in and just cause us to say, I don't get that. I, I just, I'm, I'm going to hold that away. And yet it's the greatest blessing that we could have. You know, the sub kind of the the sub thought of our sermon series is this is the help that you can't live without. 
This is what I can tell you. Until I came to a place to kind of begin to understand the person of the Holy Spirit, I could not successfully live for God. It was failure after failure after failure after failure after failure. And when I began to open up my heart to the person of the Holy Spirit, begin to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, it's amazing. It's not that things necessarily just got fixed, but it's amazing how much stronger I became. And that is his role. He's the helper. He's the one who comes alongside of us to help us. That's his role. And so a lot of people reject things about God or the Holy Spirit based off of bad information, things that aren't even in Scripture. We talked about this last week. You know, and so let me give you an example of this. Like if you're just looking at the Bible for what it says, in the book of Acts alone, which is when the Holy Spirit comes on the scene, you go read in Acts 1, Acts 2, the Holy Spirit shows up in the book of Acts is really all about the church's interaction with the person of the Holy Spirit. So there's 59 times that the Holy Spirit appears in the book of Acts. 36 of those times he's talking. 59 times we hear him talked about. And 36 of those times he's speaking. So how could it be that the early church heard from the Holy Spirit all the time and now we don't need to? I mean, if you go look at the book of Acts, it's actually the only book of the Bible that doesn't have an ending. It's like it just kind of stops being written. Why? Because it's still being written. Paul says it this way. You are an epistle. That's what Acts, you know, all the letters to the church, those are called epistles. There's letters to churches. And Paul says that you are an epistle that's being written. We're actually still part of the book of Acts. Whether you realize it or not, that's the truth. And so the early church was filled with stories. I like this quote that I found. It says, is it really true that that which the early church so depended on, which was the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that it's so irrelevant to us today? See, people have made the Holy Spirit optional when Jesus did not. Why do we not hear a lot about Jesus for 30 years? We have one account from birth, 12 years old, and 30. What happened at 30? Because the New Testament and really the Gospels are full of the stories of three and a half years of Jesus' life. And the the differentiating factor there is that he got baptized in water. He was raised up and the Bible says the Holy Spirit came upon him. And then miracles happened. Now, just so you don't think you're weird, Jesus had the Holy Spirit come upon him. And the first thing that that, that happened, the Bible says he got tempted. That he went into the wilderness, he was led by the Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days. You're like, wait, I thought the Holy Spirit was supposed to fix everything. No, the Holy Spirit prepares us for everything. And there's a big difference. He prepares us for many times what's coming for what we cannot see. And that 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus was prepared for what he had to do and what God was going to do through him. If you really get technical about it, the devil actually offered Jesus three things, which were everything that he came to do on the front side of his ministry. And the devil said, I will give it all to you. That's why and it, it was a test. And the enemy tempted him. Well, that's going to happen. But that's why we need the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he is the help that we cannot live without. Why? Because sometimes our flesh gets weak and we're like, I'm just going to give in to this area of compromise. And the Holy Spirit will say, no, you don't, don't do that. You don't need to mess with that. 
And it's not like a voice. It's not like you hear it, but it's this knowing on the inside of you. So one of the, this, you know, this morning, last week, we really talked about the Holy Spirit as being a person. This morning, we're really going to talk about his presence and experience his presence. But, you know, one of the things that I want to kind of maybe give you a warning in a little bit is this. Is that if we're not careful, we will fall into the mentality that says this. Well, I've got to go to church to meet with God. Like God is there in that building. When this building's empty, it's a building. It becomes the church when we show up. Why? Because we are the church. I'm going to show you this in a few minutes. Now, we can meet with God here. I believe that there's something special about when we come together corporately and pray and worship and, and, you know, discuss scripture and do these. There is something special about this moment. But God has not reserved himself to say, I will only move inside of a church service. No, God has said, I will move in anybody who allows me anywhere at any time. So we need to understand that. And so we've got to come to this place where what we understand the Holy Spirit is actually in us, not in this building. The Holy Spirit is in us. He's with us. He is for us. That's why the Bible says that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. That's one of the reasons I believe that that's why Jesus says it's better if I leave. Because Jesus could only be in one geographical location at a time. In practical terms, Jesus could be here in Lake Charles, but Jesus could not also be at our campus in Shreveport. Why? Because he has a body just like us. But the Holy Spirit is not bound to a body. He can be here. He can be in Shreveport. He can be in Alexandria. He can be in Africa. He can be everywhere. You're like, I don't understand that. Remember what I said about taking the Pacific Ocean and putting it into a teacup? You're trying to fill a teacup with something that's way beyond what you can comprehend, what I can comprehend. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 says this, it says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? Second Corinthians chapter six, 14 through 18 says this, it says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? says, for we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. He says, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from the Lord. He says, don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, a lot of times people have taken this verse and just said, well, we need to go make like some Christian commune. Like we need to have like a Christian village where we don't, right? But that's when you need the whole counsel of scripture. That's, that's taking a bit. It's what it's really saying is, look, don't be vitally connected to people who don't believe like you. But we are called to reach and impact the world around us. So how are we going to do that if we all just live in a little weird Christian sect? That's weird, by the way. Just, <laughs> that's weird. It also doesn't line up with the whole counsel of scripture. But it does give us the understanding here is that, look, is that we are a temple. You know, one of the things that I love about our church is that we like to keep a clean church. Thank you, Miss Margie. (laughs) Things are clean. Things are nice. Why? Because we care about this place. We want to take care of it. 
right? Well, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, I, I don't want to let all this things that come through, all, this, all the things that are warring, the Bible says, against my soul. It comes through our ears. It comes through our eyes. The, the enemy is looking for influence. Well, I don't want to let those things into my heart. Why? Because that's the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And I need to be aware of that. You need to be aware of that. We, we looked at this verse last week, but I think it's so important. And this is really uh, where we want to focus in this morning as we move forward. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. I'm going to read this out of the message translation. But this is the Apostle Paul's prayer over a group of believers. It's kind of his uh, sign-off here. And he says, so this is part of his prayer, but he says, The amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. So this is what he's saying. This is his prayer. I want every one of you to understand the grace that Jesus offers you. What is grace? Not getting what I deserve. That's grace. I deserve to go to hell, but grace says I don't have to. Grace is the person of Jesus, right? And here, and it goes on, it says that what? That we would understand or come to know the extravagant love of God. That's the why Jesus came. The motivation for why Jesus came was love. But it goes on, it says that we can have intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. That word friendship there, depending on your Bible, it may also use the word communion. You know, and that's a Greek word that's called koinonia, which is kind of an interesting word. But it really means this. It means fellowship, communication, intimacy, a sharing together, a partnership, or a joint participation. Is that we are to have an intimate connection like this lifeline with the Holy Spirit that's not just kind of an option. It is the option. It is the only option. It is the lifeline that we need to what? To live the life that God has for us to live today. You cannot live to the fullness of what God wants for us, any of us, without the help of the Holy Spirit. In short, very simply, is the Holy Spirit wants to be our friend. Now, I understand when I say that you need the Holy Spirit, he's the help you can't live without. You may think, well, the Holy Spirit's weird. I don't want that. How many of you want the best friend you could ever have? I mean, how many of you want a friend who, no matter what you asked them, always gave you like the perfect wisdom? It's like, man, that's exactly, how did you know that's what I needed for this moment? That is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he has all wisdom. He has all knowledge. He understands the mind of God, the will of God, the purpose that you were created, the reason that you're breathing right now. He knows why. So why not desire a relationship with him? He's not mystical. He's not weird. He's not strange. He can't, he's not something that you can't control. You're like, yeah, but God can do anything he wants. But God has said that he won't. It's not that he can't, but he won't just do anything. He gave us a will. He gave us uh, desires. The Holy Spirit won't do anything that we don't want him to do. See, the Holy Spirit's practical. He wants to come and he wants to help us every day. He wants to help us every day. So I want to give you a couple of, of ways that we can experience the Holy Spirit. Things that we can actually do. I said, you know, we kind of wrapped up last week. Like we can make choices that will actually affect or to push away the, the really experience or the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to give you five ways that you can actually invite the Holy Spirit to come closer. If I can push him away, that means I can also pull him closer, right? It's not just one way. 
And I don't want to push him away. I want to make sure that I'm pulling him close. Why? Because, man, he's my intimate ally. He's, he's, my, he's my foxhole partner. I mean, in the midst of everything, he's right there with me. And I want to make sure that, man, when I need it, he's there. And so I want to help and just give you five ways that we can experience the Holy Spirit. These aren't complicated, but I think that they're very practical because the Holy Spirit is practical. So the first one is this, and and, and I'll explain it, but it's the gospel. The gospel. You have to what? Believe the gospel. Now, very specifically, this is what I mean by this. Is that we have to come to a place of understanding that God really loves us. We don't reject people that we know really love us. We don't. But yet, even in my own life, I know there have have been times that I have struggled really believing that God loves me. Like I mess up and I'm like, oh shoot, I got to get away from him because he's going to be mad at me. And I feel like a little kid sometimes like running from my parents, you know. It's like, oh no, get away. But if I really understand that God loves me with a love that I really can't even fully comprehend, but it's really beyond reason, beyond ration. That God loves me. And that if you could understand how much God loves you, I mean, take John three sixteen, the most famous scripture in all of human history. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, right? So turn it and make it personal. For God so loved me that he sent Jesus. God so loved you that he sent Jesus. Not just for the masses of humanity. He came for us individually. I believe this. With all, if, G, if one person would have turned to God and put their faith in Christ, Jesus said it would be worth it. By the way, there will be a moment, which I'm very much looking forward to. You go read Isaiah 53, and there's an account of where Jesus is. is, is it's really a prophetic thing, and you're like, what does that mean? It means that something's being told beforehand about the Messiah. But you go read in Isaiah 53, and at, towards the end of the, of the chapter, I think it's verse 12 or 13, I love this. Is it says that when the lamb sees the fruit of his sacrifice, he will say it was worth it. I love to think of it this way. Is that Jesus is going to look at every single one of us and say, you were worth it. Everything I went through, all of the shame, all of the pain, all of the physical that happened to me, you were worth it. Not just stand in front of a crowd and say, hey, I'm glad all y'all made it. I really believe that, that he's going to look at us and say, you were worth it. God doesn't deal with us as groups. He deals with us as individuals. And God loves us. And the Gospels is is really the love story that God wrote to us about him coming to what and meeting us in the person of Jesus at our point of need. That's the love of God that we can't understand it. You know, we, we see the passage of Scripture where it talks about the prodigal son, the, that the father what went running after the son. God didn't wait for us to look for him to say, okay, I'll start coming your way. No, God was pursuing us. And so it's important that if you're going to really experience more of the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, it starts with actually understanding and coming to a place that you are loved. Irrevocably. 
Like God doesn't change his mind. He won't fall out of love with you. No, he is in love with you. He cares for you. The Bible says that he very carefully watches over every one of us. Why? Because the Bible says we're the object of his affection. And so if we're really going to experience him more, then it's going to require what? That we understand that. You know, I'll give you a little kind of a natural example, but I have a little almost four-year-old boy. I love that little boy like it changed my life. I never knew I could love somebody so much. You know, it's just crazy. The moment he was born, you know, every relationship, I think of it this way, is that every relationship I've ever had, I learned to love. Like I learned to love my parents. I learned to love my sisters. You know, I I fell in love with Dara over some time. When I saw my son, though, instantly. Like, Like, I'm not a big kisser. I can't tell you how many times I've kissed my boy. I can't tell you. A lot. I'm like, well, that's weird. And I'm like, I don't even care. I don't care if you think that's weird. Right? Why? Because he's my boy, right? You know, but there's a, a moment, though, that when I, because I like to do this sometimes, because it's something that my dad did to me, and I know that it always meant a lot, which he would call me his boy. He said, you're my boy. You're my boy. You're my boy. And it, it gave me identity. I knew who I belonged to. That my dad was, I was his. You know, and there's, a, there's moments where I love to kind of just run and grab him. You know, kind of swoop him up and do funny little things with him. But, you know, I'll, I'll pick him up and I might spin him around, throw him in the air, you know, do whatever, hang him by his feet, you know, whatever. And, um, but I'll tell him, I'm like, you're my son, you're my boy. I love you. Because I want him to know that, right? And you so and so even in that moment though, he's really not any more my son than he was two minutes prior. Right? Even from a legal standpoint, he's still my son. I'm still responsible to feed him, take care of him, you know, all those good things. But being caught up in my arms, he feels what sonship actually feels like which is the delight of a father. So his experience is different. Why? Because he realizes that he's del- that I'm delighted in him. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about, yes, I understand that God's my father and that I'm his son, I'm his daughter. No, I mean like that moment where God is delighted in you. That's what I mean. Well, when we can come to that place of understanding, we're opening the doors wide open for the Holy Spirit to come in. I got to hurry up. I'm on number one of five. Number two is scripture. The rest of them will be shorter, I promise. Number two is scripture. Uh, Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. Out of the Passion Translation, it says, for we, or for we have the living word of God, which is full of energy. It says it pierces more sharply than a two-edged sword. It will even penetrate to the very core of our being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motives of our hearts. God's word. One of the ways that we invite the Holy Spirit in is by reading God's word. By committing God's word into our heart. Why? Because it's God's word to us, yes. But who wrote the Bible? The Bible says that men wrote it under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So when we begin to crack open our Bible, we're inviting the Holy Spirit into our life. I've had it happen many times where I'll be doing something and all of a sudden this verse just jumps up in my spirit. I'm like, where'd that come from? Sometimes it's in a good moment and sometimes I'm acting a fool and the Holy Spirit kind of says, stop it. Remember this scripture? 
But that won't happen if I don't put it in. No, the word of God is living. It's powerful. It can tell me why I do what I do and why I said what I said, if I allow it. And so, you know, and so it's important. Romans 12, 2 says this. It says, stop imitating the ideas and the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed. The Holy Spirit's works actually on the inside of us, not on the outside of us. That's important to know. It says to be transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Change, let the Holy Spirit by the word of God change how you think. Some of you need to get a hold of the word of God that says that you are the apple or that you are the delight of God's eye. You're the the apple of his eye is the way scripture says that. See, some of you need to be what? To learn to think differently. Is that God loves me, he is not mad at me. But some of you still think God's mad at you. See, that's where you need to you need to come to a place of understanding. This is what it says. It's like a reformation. This actually, in more modern language, it'd be like a renovation. Let God come and redo the way you think. It goes on. It says, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Romans 8, 29 says that we're to be transformed into the image of Christ. Is it the longer we live and walk with the Lord, we should actually look more and more and more like Jesus. So if you've lived for the Lord a long time, my question for you is, do you look more like Jesus than you did 10 years ago? Five years ago? Because we what, should constantly be growing and maturing and developing in our relationship. So one of the primary vehicles the Holy Spirit uses for moving in our life and speaking in our life is, is Scripture. Here's a third one. This one's important too. And you're here, so this applies to you. But one of the ways that I believe that we can really experience the Holy Spirit at a greater, greater level is through church. Is by coming together with other believers. I mean, we read that a, a second ago from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. It says, don't be connected to all these people. Okay, but do be connected to other believers in Christ. Why? Because it makes a difference. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says, One day as as these men, which were the apostles, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, they were having a church service, it says, The Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. As they worshiped and as they fasted, as they worshiped, as they worshiped, the Holy Spirit said, Hey, these two guys back over here, I I got a job for them to do. And the next verse says that they prayed over them and they sent them out. Later on, they were accused of turning the world upside down. That's a pretty cool accusation. But it happened in the middle of a church service. Acts chapter 15, verse 28. I'm just going to read a part of this verse, but they were praying about a, a circumstance, a situation, and, and, and I, but I, uh, it's so interesting the way that it worked. It says, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so they acted. So many times, if we're not careful, we can wait. You know, it's like, I need a word from God. I need a word from God. And I need a word from, and I, I understand that. But there are times that it's like, you know what? I prayed about this. God has not given me a specific instruction. I've asked other people to pray with me. And, the, and I feel good about it. And I think the Holy Spirit feels good about it. And you're like, well, how do I know if he doesn't? Because you won't have peace. 
It's really not that hard to figure out. And sometimes you may have to take a step and he goes, nope. (laughs) I have found that many times it's easier for me to hear a no from God than it is for me to hear a yes from God. And so I take a step and check. I take a step and check. I take a step and then like, nope, okay. We see this in the life of the Apostle Paul. He said, I want to go to Athens. And it says the Holy Spirit said, no. I want to go to Bithynia. And the Spirit forbid him, actually said, no, you don't. And so he's like, well, I'm going somewhere, Holy Spirit. Where do you want me to go? And he said, there's some people over in Macedonia that I want you to go to. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can be looking for a yes that it's like, look, start moving in a direction. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And it's not like in an audible no, but there's just something in, in you that just says, some don't feel right. You ever had that moment? Like some don't feel right. I don't know. I had peace and I don't know where it went, but it ain't here. Take a step back and say, okay, Holy Spirit. Because it might not be a major change. Like, do I take this job? Do I not take this job? Have you asked the Holy Spirit? Or do I, you know, and it's practical things. Do I buy this house? Do I not buy that house? Holy Spirit, is this the right person that I should marry or should I run? <laughs> That's a pretty important one. That's a pretty important one. Here's another one for you parents. Holy Spirit, why is my kid on the planet? Why are they here? How do I need to train them? The Bible says to what? To train them in what? The way that they should go. It's not just in scripture. That means that they actually have a bent to them. They have a way that God has made them for a specific purpose and reason. And our job as parents is to help figure out what it is and to lead them in that direction. Not to make the decisions for them. To help lead them to listen to the Holy Spirit and to pursue what God has for them. So even as... As parents, part of our job is to help them, number one, learn how to hear from God and to listen and follow the leading of God. But we don't always have to have a clear answer. Let me give you an example of this. I carry this with me, by the way. This little note right here, I brought it. Actually, I carry it with me. It's in the back of my iPad. It's dated May the 1st, 2011. Let me give you an example of what I mean by the Holy Spirit. Just a little note, right? This I know the name means nothing to you, but a name, a lady named Janet Schuler gave this to me. She was the piano player at a church that we served at in Kansas. And for a while, I would have a hard time, like, because I was a youth pastor there, and so I'd have to get up on Sunday morning. Well, I couldn't sleep on Saturday nights because I'd be so nervous. I'm like, oh, I got to go preach for the adults. Oh, my gosh. Like, And so one morning, she came up to me, and she handed me this little note. I'm going to read it to you. It says, I was praying that God would give you utterance to lift the people today. And this is what she felt like the Lord put on her heart to tell me. And it says that David is well able to deliver a message that will uplift the people of God. He is well able. That's a perfect example of some encouragement that came through somebody else. And I can't tell you in that moment, because after this lady gave me this note, you know what happened on Saturday nights for me? I slept. I slept. Why? Because there was encouragement in that. See, sometimes God may just put a little thought on your heart. and You're like, oh, well, I don't want to bother them. The Holy Spirit's bothering you to bother them. And they might need it more than you know. And it might just be as simple as a little note, a little text, a little phone call. Somebody's on your heart and you're like, man, I don't know why. This person just is on my heart. I just, I don't know why. It leads me into my next one. Number four is that we can experience the Holy Spirit by what? In our spirits. 
the pastor of the church there in Kansas that I served, he had a phrase and he said, sometimes you don't know, but you just know and you're knower. It's like, I don't know why, but they are just on my heart. Like I've just been praying for them. And I don't know why. Have you reached out to ask why? Hey, is everything okay? It may be in a situation or circumstance. Maybe it's just something in your heart and you just start sensing some things. And that, that might be the Holy Spirit. You might want to ask him. <laughs> Holy Spirit, are you trying to, 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 to catch my attention here? Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, For his spirit, being the Holy Spirit, joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. That's pretty important. The Holy Spirit is actually the one who confirms or reaffirms that we are children of God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. It says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule or reign in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. If you don't know one of the promises from Scripture, you hear us talk about that. That's a promise from Scripture. We are what promise that we should live in peace. You may not be living in peace, but the Holy Spirit can help you with that. He's that help that you don't want to live without. Why? That peace will reign. Sometimes God will guide us by even putting special burdens on our hearts. You know, I consider myself like as a preacher, how do I know what to preach? I've had people ask me that. How do you always know what to preach? I'm like, I just pray and the Lord usually puts some type of a burden on my heart. A specific area, a specific topic. Maybe it's a scripture, maybe who knows. And And that's a lot of times and so... I plan accordingly, right? I mean, actually, this series was prayed about nine months ago. Pastor John asked me, he said, hey, would you write down some topics, some things that you have in your heart? About five or six of them that we could possibly do next year together. We had four of them the same. This is one of the four. Right? It was a burden that the whole... that. Really, the Holy Spirit put on both of our hearts, and we're like, okay, well, we have two that aren't the same. We're going to drop those, and these are the four we're going to go with. I know it seems real spiritual. <laughs> but what? It was just something that God had put on our hearts. Now, here's the fifth one, the last one. And I believe this one is, is equally as important, but yet maybe one of the harder ones to do. Is that we can experience more of the Holy Spirit in stillness, and in quietness. I don't know about you. I don't like sitting still. I don't like calming down. I like to get stuff done. I like to, you know. But yet I have found. That the Holy Spirit likes to talk. When I get quiet. This is actually one of the reasons why I love to mow grass. It's kind of random, but I do. Why? Because it's like this mindless thing that I do. That God starts talking. I used to joke. Like God talks to me when I'm on a mower. And the truth is, he did. But why? It's because I was always so busy. Just going. I just had a lot on my mind. Just, my mind's running, 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 running. I get on that mower, and I'm not thinking about nothing. I'm thinking about the blade of grass in front of me. <laughs> you know, it's pretty mindless. And if I didn't get it back up, you know, go for it. <laughs> you know? I mean, but it was amazing to me how much God would speak to me during that time. Why? My mind got uncluttered. It got quiet. There are times that we all need to get away from the noise, to get quiet. See, many times I believe that our lack of experiencing the Holy Spirit is because of our refusal to unplug. Our refusal to slow down, to maybe cut off 
some distractions of communication. You know, we're, we live in, in the connected age. Maybe it's time to turn off your phone. I know that's like heresy for some of you. You're like, I could never. Let me just help you with something. And I, and I, I don't mean to sound rude. None of us are that important. Like, oh, but people might need to call me. If they need you that bad, they'll call somebody in your family and be like, why ain't they answering their phone? If it's an emergency, people get a hold of you. But so many times, and I'm as guilty of that as anybody. Well, you know, I got to, you got to put your phone on silent, do something. That doesn't work. You're still here going, and you're like, oh, goodness, who's, just turn it off. Unplug. It's not that important. Holy Spirit, I'm going to prioritize hearing from you right now. It's amazing. When I'm on the mower, I don't hear the phone at all. I don't even think about it at all. Too much noise, but the Holy Spirit can speak right into that moment. Even above the noise of the mower, he can speak right to my heart. So we have to make the priority of hearing from him. I think one of the reasons that many times people don't want to do this is because they're afraid of what he might say. They're nervous. They, you know, I mean, we we're so can be so guilt conscience. We can be so so full of shame that we're like, oh man, if I expose myself to God, what is He going to say to me? Is He going to point out all of my flaws? Is He going to bring up all of my past mistakes? Is is He going to you know? And, and that can be a, really something that can hold us back, but it could be nothing further from the truth. He's going to say, I know that you that you messed up, but it's okay. I, I'm here. I, I, I never leave you. I never forsake you. I'm I'm here for you. See, one of the things I've learned about the Holy Spirit is that he is so gracious. Even when he's corrective, I still feel better. It's amazing. So gracious. It's just who he is. He's gentle yet strong, right? I mean, there's this kind of double-sidedness to him that we can experience. See, it's a spiritual discipline to be still. To cut out distractions. It's hard to hear through all the noise of the day of life. But when we practice stillness. And it really is about awaiting on the Lord. So what what the Bible says is that when we wait upon the Lord. We'll look at a verse here in just a moment. But it's when we do that. That we can actually really experience closeness with the Holy Spirit. In that moment. Isaiah 40 verse 31. It says this fairly familiar passage of scripture. I may have to pull this up. Hold on. I didn't add that to my notes here, so I'll come over to this one and add it. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Is it up there? Oh, it is. There you go. I don't have it on my notes. I'll read it off the screen. It says, those who trust in the Lord, that word trust there in other translations would say wait. Those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary and they will walk and will not faint. So what do you have to do to get to the last part of that verse? (laughs) Because all that other stuff sounds really good. Yeah, I want some strength. Yeah, I want to feel like I'm soaring like an eagle. I want to run and not get tired. I want to walk and not get faint. How do you get there? You wait. You wait. It's this stillness. It's this moment of, God, I'm not in any rush. I got lots of priorities today, but nothing's more important than this. So you carve out some time for the Holy Spirit. 
See, you're inviting him into that space. And so the word wait there does not mean like we kick it in neutral. Like if many times that's what we think. Like, oh, we're going to wait and just leave it all up to God. No, sometimes that waiting is what it's really is. To me, I believe that it's a waiting with an expectation. My faith is active. Man, I'm expecting for the Holy Spirit to speak. I'm expecting for him to stir up some things in my heart. I'm expecting for him to speak. Why? He spoke to other people. He can speak to me. The Bible says that God's not a respecter of one person over another. You did it for them, you'll do it for me. So Holy Spirit, I read in Scripture where you talk, I expect to hear from you. Give me ears to hear. That's kind of how I pray most days. The word wait by definition actually means to look, to patiently look. I thought this one was neat is that it actually means to be renewed, to sprout again. When we'll wait on the Lord, the Holy Spirit's going to show up. He's going to begin to minister into our lives. And that's how we experience the Holy Spirit. You got to know that you're loved. You get into scripture. You get into fellowship. That's why we believe in groups. You get connected to people. They begin to speak into your life. It's amazing what God can begin to do. And so we do that and then God begins to talk to us. And then we get to start helping other people. But all of it comes back to just what? Being still. Waiting on the Lord to speak. And this is what I can tell you. Is that God will meet you. You don't have to go running to find him. He'll come to you. God responds to a hungry heart. That's what I know. Is that when I make God an option, he's not real active in my life. But when I make him the the focus of my life, he comes and he meets with me. And he talks with me and he stirs me up and he encourages me. That's the Holy Spirit and that's what he desires to do in every one of us. But we just got to give him some space. We got to give him that room. We got to give him access to our lives. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?